The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garam Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Today we're catching up with Niels Vega. Niels is Chief Executive Officer of Australian and London listed Dankili. It trades in both markets under the code DNK or Delta November Kilo, if you prefer. The company's market cap is about 150 million, based on the last sale price of 47 cents a share. The market cap is a good clue that Encali has a project of scale that is working on getting into production. In fact, it does. It's a world-class scale project. It's the Kaluli Sulfate of Potash project in Eritrea, East Africa, in the hotter than hotter Dankili Basin to be more specific. Now, Aussie investors have become somewhat expert of late on the premium fertiliser we can shorten to SOP. That's because there are a number of SOP projects based on salt lake brines in WA. Kaluli is different in a number of ways, which I'll ask Niels to explain in a few moments. We've got a lot to talk about, so with that I'm going to say hello to Niels and welcome him to the podcast. Hi Niels, and thanks for your time today. Hi Barry, uh, thank you and uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you about Danakali. Uh, great. Now, Niels, it would be great if we could start out with a bit of a background on yourself, uh, where you hail from and uh, what led you to uh, joining the company and uh, getting involved with the project. Yeah, so uh, I've been involved in commodities basically all my career. Um, and um, I most recently um, held um, a position, several positions at BHP um, and uh, looking after um, a big project project in Saskatchewan, um, where I was involved uh, on the leadership team um, on developed the Jensen project and the Murd of Potash project uh, that uh, is uh, is being built, um, and um, looking after the marketing sales and the supply chain and uh, working on the greenfield operation is really in an exciting uh, market um, of fertilizer. Um, and uh, when Danakali uh, approached me to to join and work on the, on the greenfield project uh, with the scale and the quality that uh, that they have in the, in East Africa, um, I um, I did my due diligence and jumped on board because this is uh, a unique project and a great opportunity to build something uh, that is uh, that is really long term, two hundred years um, with high quality. Um, at a low, very low cost, uh, which will have an impact on not just the fertilizer market and the SOP market, but also on the, the economic and the social development uh, in East Africa. So great opportunity to jump on board and uh, and using the expertise that I've learned over the many years of, uh, of being active in commodities and working for uh, mining corporations. And, um, and, and, uh, uh, to uh, to to get into the, the role of the CEO, um, it's a, a great uh, privilege to uh, to lead that team into uh, the phase that we are today. Okay. 
That'd be uh, obviously uh, you just mentioned Janssen there, the BHP project, uh, which they're spending three, four, five billion on to get in production. We still don't know whether they'll do it yet, but uh, there it is. But that and your project at uh, Dankali is uh, all, pre- all based on the the need to feed the world to improve um, soils so that uh, more food can be grown. Just uh, quickly, I, I guess, if you could just tell us the difference between uh, mop the murate of potash that, uh, say, BHP is looking at, and the SOP market product. Yes, Barry, and you're right. These are, are both uh, fertilizers which are carrying the uh, the K content or the potassium content, which is needed for the growth of plants. But not all mop, uh, potash is um, is suitable for all crops. Um, the murt of potash is really a, um, a big market, uh, 67 million tons globally, um, which, um, which is really used on stable crops like, like soybeans and, and wheat and grains. Um, and, um, and, and it has, it can be used on, uh, chloride tolerant crops. Now, if you look at SOP, the sulfate of potash, which is actually a higher quality and, uh, and with that extra minerals of sulfur, in that uh, in that um, fertilizer, um, it, it still has the the K content, so the potassium content, which is helping growing the plant better, doing its its energy uh, management, water management, and and really helping to uh, to get better yields for farmers. But it doesn't have a chloride uh, in there, and the chloride is, uh, is 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 not suitable for all crops. So it's really the SOP. Which is a much smaller market is used for uh, high value crops like fruits and vegetables and nuts and tea, uh, where uh, if you would have chloride in there, uh, it affects the taste and uh, and it will also have some impact on the uh, salinity of the of the, of the soils. Uh, but having an SOP project and having SOP products for uh, these um, high value crops like um, fruit and vegetables, as I mentioned. That's the real difference. So it doesn't have the chloride. It's uh, it's really effective with uh, with having uh, sulfur in it, and uh, is is used on these high value crops. Right. And how is that uh, reflected in the market? We all know the market's very opaque, but I was wondering if you could just give us a feel for what the say the current price for SOP is, say versus MOP. Yeah. So so MOP um, uh, prices. Um, it depends on where you, where you take it, but uh, it's somewhere between two hundred and fifty dollars, two hundred twenty and two hundred fifty dollars a ton. Uh, if you if you look at where uh, the SOP market sits, uh, it has a, a, a significant premium um, of of about five hundred dollars a ton. And and again, uh, you have different grades. You got the the standard grade, the the granular grade, and the soluble grade. And so there's a there's a range there. But soluble is the the most purest form and easy to uh, to apply with which gets the highest premium, but uh, around uh, between uh, uh, four seventy five and and five fifty uh, in that range, you would get for for a granular standard product. Um, so if you compare it to MOP, uh, it is really the premium product and uh, and gets a premium price as well. Okay, now if we take that indicative price you mentioned there for SOP. Uh, how does that compare with what work you've done to date in terms of your expected uh, cost of production? Yeah, so our our 
um, Kaluli projects that we're developing in in, uh, in Eritrea, in East Africa, is uh, is unique in the sense that uh, we can uh, really produce in a very low cost. Um, the mineralization um, is uh, is uh, is coming at a very shallow uh, at 16 meters. So we will be able to do a um, an open cut mining. Uh, so we don't have to sink shafts like we mentioned the Jensen project um, earlier, where we had to go about one kilometer down to uh, to get to uh, to the ore. Um, so that's um, the capital intensity for building uh, this project is uh, is very low. So the cost per ton um, is is very low as well. So if you look at where the Kaluli project sits on the cost curve, it's uh, it's really and in that first quartile. And that's really driven by the open cup mining and also that we're mining from solid salts. So we can actually use the uh, the salts which are in there. And you mentioned the Danakil Basin. That is the basin which is basically a dried up sea where many years ago um, uh, you had the, uh, uh, I mean, I'm talking many years, five million years ago about the, um, uh, the, the, the sea was dried up and uh, it's close to the, the, the Rift Valley where um, there's volcanic, so that's what the sulfur brings in. You got beautiful layers of, of of salt that we can take out, and uh, because of geology shallowness and uh, the way it's been set out um, with with the layers of salt, uh, we can we can dig that up at a very low cost. And on top of that, we're very close to to infrastructure, and uh, and having the uh, these attributes makes us um, a very attractive. From a cost perspective, and uh, we'll be able to uh, to uh, generate good economics uh, from uh, from this deposit. Has the company released any indicative costs or EBITDA sort of figures uh, on the yeah, project? So, yeah, we have about one hundred fifty dollars, one forty nine to be exact, mine gate cost, um, and then we have some some trucking uh, which would have to go from the site to the existing infrastructure port, Port Masala. Um, and that would be uh, in, in the low 70s. So uh, our indicative uh, costs are $242 um, for, uh, for uh, delivering it in the port of Masala. And from there on, because you're right in the Red Sea, you can uh, easily go to, to Europe, you can go to North and South America, uh, but you can also go to Africa and, and India and, uh, and areas in Southeast Asia. So it's, it's, it's a really centralized, if you look at where the world is, it's really right in the middle of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Which uh, which gives us a great opportunity to uh, to serve all the markets in the, in the world. Uh, so some uh, very high margins on offer there. The so where is the project at now in terms of uh, financing? Yeah, so we we've we've done a lot of work in the, in the last couple of years in de-risking the project. Um, one of the things that we did is uh, first of all get the study. Yeah, and and get the studies to uh, to a very precision level. So we we finalized finalized the feed study. Uh, we have uh, advanced financing. So in the, the, the end of last year, uh, we uh, we secured two hundred million dollars of senior debt from African Action Bank and AFC African Finance Corporation, and on top of that, another fifty million dollars equity uh, commitment from uh, the African Finance Corporation. Um, We've been able to uh, to secure an offtake agreement for ten years for uh, up to hundred percent of the production with uh, with Eurochem, um, Swiss based uh, big fertilizer producers, 
uh, with uh, about six billion dollars of turnover. So big player with um, a significant amount of uh, offices around the world, a big distribution network. So we have agreed a, a 10 year offtake agreement for another three years uh, optional um, up to uh, on a take or pay um, agreement. So basically every ton that we produce, they will be able to uh, to, to market, sell and distribute. And we deliver mm. it in port and, uh, and they get a margin and, uh, and we get the, the, the market price for that. So it's another big uh, de-risker for, for us and gives us access to, uh, to cash flows. And then we, uh, we also kicked off the development. We, did, we uh, put our notes of development uh, to the Minister of Energy and Mines in Eritrea. Uh, that was confirmed recently. And uh, we've been able to, uh, uh, to start off the EPCM work um, in, uh, in earlier this year, in January. And uh, we're going through the, the different phases of, uh, of, um, of, of the development where we expect to have um, breaking ground in 2021 and production by 2022. So uh, we're really on our way and uh, have been able to, uh, to get some of the financing done. Um, and uh, we're still looking for a balance there. Uh, but uh, with the, with the offtake agreement and uh, the development and uh, uh, where we are with um, uh, with uh, the, uh, the the licenses and everything, uh, we're uh, we're well on our way to uh, to production by 2022. Mm. I should, probably should have mentioned earlier uh, the scale of the uh, deposit is uh, absolutely huge. It's probably good for 50 years of total world needs supply. But I'm just wondering, what scale of production are you uh, going to uh, look for initially? And how does, do you see any potential for dislocation in the existing SOP market, given the scale, the potential scale of the project as time goes by? That's a very good question, Barry. I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, we got 1.1 billion tonnes of ore, uh, which makes it a very large reserve uh, for 203 million tonnes of K2L products. So it is a unique size. And as you said, uh, um, if you think about the global SOP market about 7 million tons. Um, we are, we are um, developing this deposit, which is really scalable, but we develop it in, in modules. Our first module is 472,000 tons um, uh, that we have sold, as I mentioned, uh, to Eurochem. Um, but um, uh, it's, 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 uh, that's the first module. The second module will come in in about five years after we started our production uh, for another 472,000 tons. And, and that will give us, um, yeah, about a million tons, um, in a, a seven million ton market. So you can see the, the impact that, uh, this, this, this project can have on that fertilizer on the SOP market is, is quite significant. We can be, we, we, we intend to be a very big uh, fertilizer producer. And, uh, and, and if the market allows, we can scale up and, uh, and make it uh, even, even a bigger project. And where we are, cost curve, that makes it uh, obviously uh, very interesting. Um, uh, but you also don't want to flood the market. So you want to be uh, sens sensible on, on how you uh, develop it. Uh, the reasons why we, re we develop this in a modular approach is, is really uh, you want to make sure you can use existing infrastructure. You don't want to overstretch yourself or your capex. You don't want to overstretch yourself for the number of people that you need to have. Uh, so to 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 walk first before we run, 
uh, we think that's the right way. And with Eurochem there as our uh, offtake partner, we can really focus on putting the right quality, uh, establish our brand, establish our name, and, uh, and from there on grow. And as you say, with 200 years of mine life, we got the great opportunities to, to scale up, uh, to improve infrastructure, even work further on our cost. Um, and also, since we are very low in the cost curve already, potentially um, displace some of the, the higher cost producers, uh, which is on the, on the Mannheim, uh, the secondary type of production. Um, that, that could be one thing. But then we also think that the organical growth on, of the demand is, is going to be very high, um, driven by uh, global population, uh, driven by uh, different uh, uh, preferences of, of diet, people moving more from, uh, to, to fruit and, uh, and, and vegetables. Um, so we think these, these areas uh, will, and, uh, will help the demand for the product. And so there will be a space for um, another producer like ourselves, especially where we are on the cost curve, and especially with the scalability and the quality of the resource. Uh, we're very confident that we can serve the uh, the global SOP market. Mm. And I guess that's reflected in the uh, the initial offtake agreement. Given all that, um, and obviously the earnings potential, given the premium product pricing and the, the versus the cost of production. I'm just a bit intrigued, the market cap of around 150 mil. Do you see some sort of uh, disconnect there between the, the free cash flow potential of this project vis-a-vis -vis the, the current uh, market capitalisation of the company? And if there is a disconnect, uh, how do you see that unwinding over time? Well, I think um, what, what investors are looking for, for further de-risking of this project, I think we're well on our way with that. Um, as I said, the offtake uh, had well, uh, uh, advanced uh, financing um, and, uh, and getting their head around um, Eritrea as a, as a mining jurisdiction, which is an unknown uh, for a lot of people. And mm -hmm. um, what, what we have been able to, uh, to convince um, uh, a couple of our, our current shareholders like JP Morgan, uh, like um, uh, AFC, are well efficient, they're, they're on our register. Uh, they're confident with uh, Eritrea as a mining jurisdiction. And what we've seen in um, in the last uh, couple of years, a very positive development uh, in Eritrea uh, geopolitically. I mean, obviously, there's, there's been the peace with uh, with Ethiopia. Uh, the prime minister of Ethiopia got the Nobel Prize for it, and uh, and and giving um, the ability to grow um, uh, the the economy and uh, and have um, this this project there. Uh, I think it's, it's another great opportunity. For the country, but also for for us, and I think uh, that that will be something that uh, that a lot of um, investors will realize uh, that uh, it is at this time underpriced because because of the big resource, because of the high quality, because of where it is, and because of the open cut mining and the way they can produce this product. And uh, we will be a big producer. This this will be a, a, a mine that will be built. Um, in all fairness, if this mine would have been in Canada or would have been in Australia, it would have been mined a uh, hundred years ago. And mm -hmm. uh, and I think this is this is something that uh, uh, that that people uh, will will realize. Uh, but I think it's it's just getting people to understand uh, what the opportunity is here, uh, understand, get comfortable with Eritrea as a mining jurisdiction, 
they've been very successful with other mines. Um, Nefson had their mine there uh, that was sold to um, uh, to Zijing, uh, a Chinese mining corporation. Yeah, so we're talking gold gold projects here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, mm. and 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 but just the, just the, the the mining jurisdiction near Eritrea and uh, the stability, um, how the the tax regime is, uh, the royalties that's been very stable and uh, and very supportive, and uh, and those are areas uh, that uh, that investors are looking at, and uh, and that's what we're we're talking to them about today. And I think that will also uh, give the opportunity, and uh, and also will will have an impact on uh, on. Uh, our markets, uh, market share, and uh, and market price. Mm, okay, so if uh, we could uh, finish up, then perhaps just getting a feel for how you see the news flow for the, the next twelve months or so. What should investors be looking out for from the company? I mean, what what, um, what investors should be looking at is, um, I mean, just look at the great opportunity of the the scalability of this project. Uh, we will give them further updates on where we are on our development. Um, we uh, we are as as I said progressing with the EPCM work, so we're we're optimizing the the studies that were done, um, uh, getting confirmations on on that, and and then obviously we're we're working on the funding and um, and uh, and that's something that uh, that we're focusing on closing that funding gap, um, and uh, and and show that this is a great jurisdiction, show the quality um, of this this deposit. Um, and uh, and and uh, we'll uh, we'll come with with further news on uh, on how we're going to build this and uh, and great, show this great opportunity of, of being a, a, a great ESG uh, strong um, impactful project um, in the, in the SOP industry. Hmm. Okay, so there we go, folks. We've... Very interesting uh, project, tier one type project, locked up in uh, a company currently valued at 150. So it'd be fascinating to see how um, what evolves in the next 12 months. So we'll be keeping an eye on that, Neil. So thanks for your time today and uh, best wishes with it all. Thank you very much, Barry, and uh, pleasure to be here.